Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. My name is Mark Rayshap, and this is Another Bottle Down. Uh, it's a radio show that broadcasts on 91.7 FM in Austin, Texas on Co-op Radio. Uh, imagine that, a radio show. And then we make this podcast uh, with the great interviews that, that we have with winemakers from all around the world. And, uh, and so you can get this in uh, wherever you got the podcast, uh, either on my website or iTunes or Stitcher. Make sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast. That, that is always a, a really big benefit. And, um, and, and rate the podcast. If you, if you don't mind, if you haven't done so, uh, so far, go to the iTunes store and just, uh, say how, how much you've enjoyed the, the, the interviews and, and the high quality content really helps me out. I really appreciate it. So on today's show, we have a really interesting conversation with a, a gentleman from Sicily. His name is Federico Lombardo di Monteyato. That is a mouthful for for me, um, but and he'll he'll pronounce it a lot better, I'm sure. But uh, he is basically the the um, op- chief operating officer of the winery Firiato, and they've got uh, various different estates around Sicily and, uh, and and various wineries. And the goal is to really try to understand what Sicily is doing really well. So I, I learned a lot from him. Uh, he's, he, he geeks out a lot, but then he makes everything, uh, really approachable at the same time. So that's always a a great and unique quality. He tells just some incredible stories, like on the island of Favignana, which is off the West coast of Sicily. Uh, there's this, um, marine plant that basically blows up onto the shore and essentially fertilizes the vineyards. So, I mean, I had never heard that before. It's uh, really incredible stuff. Um, and, and so much more, a lot about his experiments with uh, ancient and arcane varieties on Sicily. And, um, and of course, we, we talk about Mount Etna, where there's a lot of interest around those mountain and volcanic wines. But I think we touch on some new points and, and pieces of information, so I'm sure you'll enjoy that as well, uh, even if you're a big geek of Mount Etna wines. Quick shout out to Giacomo Butera and the Butera family uh, from Margot and Associates uh, who helped set up the interview and are the Texas-wide agents of Furiato. So without further ado, here is Federico from Furiato. How do you want me to introduce your, your name? Uh, uh, your, my your... name is Federico and my surname is, uh, is Lombardo di Monteiato because I belong to the one of the most ancient Sicilia's family. My family was established in Sicily in the 12th century. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so... right now I am uh, part of the property of Firiato, which is a, a family-run company. I am the chief of the operation. So as my wife uh, always uh, say to me, I play with vi- vi- vineyards. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit more about what what you have done. Have you always owned vineyards, or yes? But uh, we have to make uh, differences because um, during my family, uh, during uh, the existence of my family, my family always owned vineyards. But the the quality uh, of the wine, uh, Sicilian wine, starts from no more than thirty years ago. There is a, a reason because uh, before the date, the, wi- the Sicilian wine uh, usually was produced to sent uh, to be sent abroad uh, for blending uh, with the other wines. 
I don't want to say because uh, you know uh, all the people involved in wine know this story. Right. But usually this wine was sent in the north of Italy, in France, in Germany to blend with other wines with uh, in, during bad vintages because in Sicily has the correct climate to have. Uh, let's say every year a good vintage more or less so throughout history sicilian grapes were grown uh, they were produced in in difficult vintages and shipped to other regions to be blended in yeah let me do an example sure yeah right now the etna uh, is uh, growing very very fast in terms of uh, how the wine is good and how the wine is famous uh, previous that wine was called the wine from uh, Riposto. Riposto is a little city that is not on the Etna volcano. It's a two, it's a, it's an harbor uh, in the Mediterranean Sea, and the wine was known as the the wine from Riposto because the Riposto was the harbor where the wine for was shipped from. Uh, so, and uh, such a rich history. I was just reading that uh, that Sicily was really fought over uh, during the Roman times, and uh, we, if you want, we can start uh, before the Romans. Before, uh, um, uh, when we talk about vine growing and wine making, Sicily can start from six thousand years ago. Yeah, we found wow. traces uh, of uh, in, the, the, in the Trapani province in the west side of Sicily of uh, wine uh, to be made uh, in that period. So very, very, the, we have a very, very long tradition in wine growing and wine making. Then uh, the first uh, literature was from Phoenicians. So more or less 1000 to 8th uh, century before Christ. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then arrived the, the Greek. And uh, at the period, the Greek comes in Sicily about around the 7th century before Christ. They found vines, but they take their home vines. And since that period, we can call that start the modern viticulture, let's say. And uh, there is a an, an really important thing, because at that time, Greek people call uh, the zone of uh, the south of Calabria and Sicily, what they called Enotria which uh, in, uh, in uh, ancient Greek language means the land of the wine. Because, yeah, because they identified Sicily as uh, one of the best places to vine grow for vine growing and wine making. Then arrived the Romans, and the Romans spread the viticulture from Sicily. We have, uh, yeah, we have a lot of books, and ancient books, one is of, it was uh, from uh, East, because it ex still exists from Plinio il Vecchio, that classified the different zone of Sicily. And we are talking about the first century after Christ. And then we have the Columella, the Re Rustica, which is the, the first book from agronomic practice in vineyard. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And this book has been used since uh, the, seven, the 16th century. So were they doing things somewhat differently back then, or, or uh, has winemaking been, uh, been, been somewhat similar throughout the centuries? Uh, you know, uh, it's difficult to answer this question right, for yeah. two reasons. <laughs> the first reason is that uh, at the time the wine was different and the pur purpose of the wine was different. Well, can at you explain time, that? Yeah. yeah. At the time, wine was uh, a kind of food was a, that uh, was established a religion. Dionysius, Bacchus, and uh, at the same time, wine was a medicine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, on the other side, people, uh, uh, Greek and Roman, used to uh, put uh, a spicy thing to aromatize the wine. So it was a different kind of wine. 
And uh, another important thing that uh, since was the, that all wine was all wine uh, with spices added, or was that just the the lower quality wine? Where at the time were they realizing that there were special vineyards that could stand on its own? They they know they know. In fact. Uh, um, uh, Plinio il Vecchio uh, re- uh, wrote about a different zone of Sicily, uh, what French right now call Cruz, but uh, was already known that the, a certain zone can give uh, better quality wines. Yeah, in Sicily there was the the zone of Messina and the zone was of Trapani. The Odoro Siculo, which is a, uh, an author, a Roman author tells uh, about uh, the Phoenicians that come to the west of Sicily to buy wines and to take to North Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, another important thing is about the, the history uh, that make no possible to better understand how was the wine in Sicily in that period because after the 19th century arrives philosophers from, uh, from the United States and they destroy all the vineyards all, all, all over the Europe. So it was uh, like uh, to press the a reset button. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, that came from really from the vineyards of France but then permeated yeah, all yeah. throughout Italy. Was Sicily one of the last areas yeah, yeah. for Sicily it Sicily was uh, one of the last and in Sicily we have uh, and uh, I own one of that certain vineyard with uh, root stockless and uh, with a medium age of more than 150 years old that uh, were not attacked by philosophers for certain uh, variables of climate and soil yeah yeah and after I will you explain when I when we talk about the yeah, yeah, actual yeah. vineyards yeah um, well wonderful can we Federico you are head of uh, Firiato and your family has a tremendous history in in Sicily can you for folks who maybe don't necessarily know the geography of Sicily can you help put it into context I think fu- some folks might realize okay we have Marsala maybe in the western yeah. side and then maybe Nero d'Avola in the eastern part and then maybe so so give okay. us a broad okay uh, I have to say uh, one thing when you talk about Sicily in terms of viticulture and vine growing uh, it's difficult to, it's difficult for me to consider Sicily just like a region Sicily uh, uh, has to be considered more than a continent yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, let me do some, give you some number to better understand what I'm talking about. Right. Uh, all over the world exist 12 different over order of soil. And every order of soil uh, has different kind of soil. Sicily is the region in Europe that have uh, the biggest number of them. Yeah, In Sicily, Sicily you can find seven different order of soil. Yeah. Wow. On the other side... And those would be example of sedimentary and volcanic, yeah, etc. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I don't want to use technical terms sure. because uh, I, d- I can't remember. We don't want, we <laughs> yeah, don't want people so to fall asleep. With too. a lot of <laughs> Z, Hicks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, also in Sicily you can find a very uh, different zone with very different climate and very different kind of viticulture. You have the marine viticulture close to the sea or in the little highland because Sicily is an island with the little highlands. You have countryside and inside viticulture in the zone in the, in the center of Sicily and you have mountain viticulture on the Etna because uh, the Etna is very 
high-altitude mountain, because, and it's not important because it's a volcano. It's important for viticulture because it's a mountain at very low latitude. Yeah. So uh, just imagine uh, when you talk about Sicily what we are talking about. And uh, another important number I didn't give you, it's about the native vines we have in Sicily. Uh, it's a really enormous number. During the history, we know about more than 500 of different native vines, yeah. In Sicily alone? Yeah, only in Sicily. But uh, after the Philosera, we lost most of them, and, and right now we classified... Uh, Uh, in our national registry, if I remember well, 86 of this native vine, but we only use in our regulation 17, 16 or 17. This means that we have uh, a lot of years ahead of research to re-exploit these native vineyards. Wow, and then eventually maybe if uh, we you, you classify one of these vines, then maybe eventually they could go into some of the DOCs of the region. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. This is what is happening right now. To I have a, what we call an experimental vineyard with a rail, rare and relic vines to find out uh, what is uh, growing, uh, winemaking, uh, and uh, looking what happened vintage per vintage. Can, can you give us an example as to something that you're very excited about that's very obscure? Ah, it's and then we'll go into because, it, because it is uh, let's say it's a quite a secret, but we have uh, <laughs> uh, a white grape. We won't tell anybody about your secret. <laughs> uh, we have a, a white grape, uh, which is a particular kind uh, of zibibo, which uh, rye close the rimming process early, but is very very full of uh, aromas because you know, it's an aromatic vine, uh, and we are investing in research for uh, understand which is the potential of that vine. But what on the other side, it's a thing that we already done, we have already done because we, uh, more than 20 years ago, we invested in a uh, relic vine that is called Perricone. And right now, you, you if you go and read the uh, Sicilia DOC, Perricone is present. Yeah. Wow. And w that was mostly due to your efforts or? Me and uh, a group of uh, winemakers. Wow. Can you uh, give us a little bit of an idea where uh, Firiato is spread out, where is your headquarters, and then you have vineyards in various regions of the island, right? Yeah, a little bit, a fast uh, resume of uh, Firiato history, because uh, it's useful uh, uh, for you to understand what uh, we are talking about. Firiato was born in the 80s, because I told you before, uh, Sicilian wine was sent abroad already for blending with other wine, for two reasons. The first is to take the autochthonous vine to make high-quality wines. And the second is to explore Sicily in terms of viticulture and vine growing and to identify the correct climate that can give you a possibility to create high-quality grapes. For this reason, Firiato right now counts, uh, uh, counts six different estates. Yeah. Wow. Uh, the total is 380 hectares all incentivized organic farming, dividing the six states. So we have the only vineyard that exists on Favignana Highland, which is a, is a very, very little island, uh, island in the west of Sicily to cover marine viticulture. Four states uh, in the zone that goes from the Trapani province to Palermo province in the west side of Sicily to cover hillside and countryside viticulture in different kind of soil, and one in the east side on the Etna Volcano to cover Mo uh, mountain viticulture, as I told you, obviously on uh, volcanic soil. 
Yeah, wow. And and so if we talk about the western province, uh, the, the western areas, uh, is that that's more so known for marsala, though. Is, is, is yeah. that correct? Do you make marsala, or are you riding this trend for higher quality dry wines? Yeah. Uh, we do not produce marsala, but we uh, our objective is to take uh, one of the native vines that uh, is used to create marsala and to make high-quality dry wines. I'm talking about the, the Grillo and the Catarratto, uh, which are two native vines, very, very long tradition in vine growing. Uh, for example, there is Catarratto that is not possible for us to understand when Sicilian people start uh, growing Catarato, yeah, yeah, it's it's very very ancient, but since uh, more than thirty years ago, usually was used to make Marsala, and right now we can create from Grillo and Catarato very high quality white wines. Uh, yeah. How long is that trend? Because, like you say, it was just blended in with a bunch of different grapes for Marsala, and then uh, maybe flooded the U.S. market uh, to to have somewhat lower quality, inexpensive fortified wines but now there's and and like you were saying there's very high quality dry uh wines from Catarato and Grillo when did that start to snowball it started more or less 30 years ago because changed the, the objective when you uh, marsala is a, a, an oxidated wine so you need uh, your wine to have the correct chemicals uh, natural chemicals sure. to be right. oxidated if you have to do high quality dry wine you have to preserve the aromatic molecules so change the the places you are going to plant the vineyard and uh, obviously the agronomic practice for example uh, grillo is a semi-aromatic vine and to preserve the aromatic molecules at the end of the uh, ripening process we decided to plant in the medium altitude hills yeah and not close to the sea because uh, uh, the the behavior of grillo is that uh, when the, uh, the ripening process is closing you uh, you you, see, you can see that the, the sugar is growing and on the other side it start oxidating the aromatic molecule so they decrease so I don't want to use too much technical, technical terms. Sure, sure. So, but but um, the hillsides preserve that in in essence. If we were to summarize, and why not next to the ocean? Uh, ocean proximity is really important for many grapes, right? Absolutely, absolutely. This is the reason we decided to plant the vineyard on the Favignana Highland, which is uh, quite unique, because uh, Favignana. The first is the soil. Uh, the soil of Favignana, it's uh, uh, emerged land, but when you talk about emerged land in, uh, in Sicily and maybe in Europe, you are talking about the, the tertiary era, so more than 20 million years ago. Favignana emergedly uh, very, very early in the Quaternary period, so 600,000 years ago. Yeah, wow. it's the youngest one. This means that the soil uh, that is called a uh, very... Uh, Awful technical term is called uh, organogenic uh, uh, limestone, calcarinitic limestone. is a mix of uh, sediment of the sea full of uh, fossils. And the fossils of shells and fishbone you find in the soil are the, uh, belongs to animals and shells that still exist in the Mediterranean Sea. Yeah. Oh, and wow. uh, if you take the soil of the tertiary period, you will, uh, you will find fossil of animals that uh, does not exist anymore. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. On the other side, the that vineyard is uh, at the same sea level. 
yeah, and uh, gets the the sea from 360 degrees because uh, it has the marine aerosol. So the wind takes to the vi- in, uh, in the vineyard the nebulized salt salt marine water and uh, is naturally fertilized by Posidonia weed because. Uh, uh, in the Mediterranean Sea, and the sea exists only in Mediterranean Sea, not in the ocean, exists the Posidonia weed, which is a plant, not an algae. And during the storms, uh, it's cut from the bottom of the sea, dry on the seaside, and the wind takes in the vineyard. So it, it is the only vineyard that is naturally fertilized by the sea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, and, and so that's a particularly good spot for Grillo and Catarato. Yeah, Grillo and Catarato, and also Zibibo. Which is uh, the the most famous aromatic grape we have in Sicily, and there for the record, Zibibo is now. Now you might uh, debate me, but uh, as far as I have read, Zibibo is the same thing as Muscat of Alexandria. Yeah, is that correct. We, in, uh, um, Zibibo belongs to the family of Moscatolas d'Alessandria, but we found that DNA can vary. Okay. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, have a different period of ripening uh, in Sicily, but, but we can consider... Uh, so you can see Muscat of Alexandria on you know in one uh, row and then uh, Zibibo and they do different things. Me no, but my agronomist uh, <laughs> <laughs> will find uh, which is the Zibibo and which is the Moscat of Alessandria. By the way, in Sicily we have three different families of Zibibo. So yeah, yeah. Very Maybe too much pines. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, um, you know, go back to what we were talking about with so much diversity of plants, 86 um, in Sicily alone, and then uh, over 600 in, in Italy overall, right? What, um, so, so much to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Maybe too much. <laughs> yeah. Right. On the red, so, so that was the whites. Um, Sicily is really known for Nero de Avila. Uh, is that what do you make Nero de Avila at Firiato as well? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. As you said, uh, Nero de Avila is the most famous native vines from Sicily that we start exporting. Not me, the Sicily starts exporting Nero de Avila bottled uh, since more than 40 years ago. So right now, at the consumer is the is well known and uh, is. Uh, grown uh, in every zone of Sicily. We grow in the west side of Sicily uh, and also on Favignana Highland, but you will find uh, really different shapes of Nero d'Avola because, for example, in the west side of Sicily, you will find clay soil. So we'll find uh, uh, Nero d'Avola with more acidity, uh, more complex and more concentrated. In the his southeast side of Sicily, you will find sandy soil. So um, the, the Nero d'Avola is there, the, maybe more elegant, but not so concentrated Nero right. d'Avola. And, and so we should say that that's actually where Avola is, right? On the, on the southeastern side. Yeah, 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 but yeah. then the grape has spread all over. Yeah. And so you, so you think that on the western side, uh, the wines are more complex and more more powerful. Yeah. Is are there particular zones that it does particularly well, like uh, sub DOCs that that Nero de Avila really shines for folks who know? Because, like you say, there's when you see Nero de Avila of Sicily, it can come from anywhere. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. To talk about sub-DOC is quite difficult. We have uh, in the Trapani province uh, the Delia Nivolelli DOC, but unfortunately uh, most of the wine producers we do not uh, certify because right now it's growing Sicilia DOC 
and uh, we prefer to to uh, certify Nero Davola as Sicilia DOC. But I think that the Nero Davola that comes from the west side is uh, more complex and more, let's say, chewy because we, we have a clay soil. And so, and we have a clay soil and very dry climate. And so uh, there, there is a possibility for the Nero Davola to, um, it's called uh, controlled hydrostress viticulture. Yeah, it means that the vine is uh, con in constant state of hydrostress and can produce more tannins and more uh, can close the aromatic ripening process in a better way. Yeah, but in a controlled way. Right? Yeah, in a yeah. controlled way. Yeah. <laughs> Very important. Um, what what other reds are does Firiato do, and and are you excited about in Sicily? Uh, we have a we have two red wine that we are very very proud. Uh, three, the first is Sant'Agostino, which is uh, our flagship wine, and this is a blend of Nero d'Avola and Syrah, yeah. because we have uh, there uh, an estate that is called Baglio Soria. It's a hill very close to the sea, and it's a particular. It has a particular soil because it, has, it is a mix of clay and red malm. And it, uh, it means that during the summer, the soil does not crack and the moisture remains below the soil. So it's ideal to grow international vines because, you know, Sicily is very dry and very hot during right, the summer. Right. And we can close the ripening process of international vine without sugar concentration. Yeah. This is our, as I told you, flagship wine. We, right now we arrived at the 36th vintage. And is one of the most awarded uh, Sicilian wine all over the world. Many times top 100 wine spectator. Right. Every time more than 90 points, Robert Park. Uh, and got also, the uh, for many vintages, the Tre Bicchieri, uh, which is uh, our uh, best award we, uh, award we have in Italy and is very, very strict in Italy. And not many Sicilian wines get the Tre Bicchieri. Yeah, yeah. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, also because you have to... Uh, figure out that uh, right now I can remember how many hundred thousand winery we have in Sicily that in uh, in Italy that send the wines uh, for ratings at the Trebicchieri and only one hundred and twenty gives uh, receive the Trebicchieri. Yeah. Wow! Yeah, incredible. So so there is a very very strict also because uh, 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 it's not possible uh, to influence at all. Trebicchieri, they don't buy. It's one of Very unbiased. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so taking out ads in the public in the in the actual guide doesn't get you a, a good score. <laughs> right. yeah. uh, this is the first wine. The second wine, uh, it's a uh, Harmonium, which is our uh, flagship Nero Davola. It's, uh, it's a result of more than twenty years of uh, research in Nero Davola because uh, it's a blend of three different single vineyard Nero Davola. With three, obvi obviously, three different kinds of soil, three different solar exposition, three different vinification process. And after the aging, we build a blend that can vary vintage per vintage. And uh, right now, uh, this is the reason I'm here in the United States, because the Wine Spectator editors selected the Harmonium for the New York Wine Experience uh, cri Critics' Choice. So, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. We are very proud. And the third wine uh, comes from the Etna, obviously. So we s completely switch the, the viticulture. We go there on the volcano. And then we have, uh, again, two different uh, endemic uh, native vines from Sicily. They are called Nerello Mascalese, which is, uh, is becoming famous, and uh, a little part of Nerello Cappuccio. 
And uh, I mean, it's uh, uh, most of uh, the editors and journalists say that the Etna is uh, like Burgundy. Uh, I mean, by my opinion, uh, it's the contrary. It's the Burgundy that is uh, like the Etna <laughs> because uh, we have the traces of viticulture there before Burgundy. Right. But, yeah. you know, I'm joking. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, because I'm joking, but it's a completely different shape of wine, very elegant, uh, with uh, uh, very complex, with uh, smooth tannins, uh, close uh, with the licorice uh, flavors, uh, you know. Right, right. Uh, I think that the consumer will talk about Sicilian wine for the Etna. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and and there's I see a, a lot of a growing interest of uh, of people understanding. Is it part of the north side of the the the, the, the mountain? We should also say that it's still an active volcano. Is that is that yeah. right? Uh, yeah, yeah. We have to say that uh, the reality is that the the Etna is one of the most active volcanoes all over the world. And when I talk about the volcano. I always like to say that we are like a guest there because uh, is uh, lava flows uh, five or six uh, times per year, and right now uh, our estates are in, nor- in the north and northeast side of the volcano in different contrades. Uh, but right now the active craters are the, in the southeast part. But in 2002, uh, a lava flow arrives in the northeast side, uh, more or less not far more than uh, 500 meters from my state. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and so if if the lava do, do does lava uh, reach vineyards and destroy them? I don't know what would happen. This is the reason uh, uh, we like to say that on the Etna we are a guest and we are. Uh, uh, we feel safe when the volcano is active, but we don't. But we don't see huge explosions, uh, huge eruptions. Not yet. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, this is the reason uh, I said that when we the volcano is active, is lava flowing. We we feel safe before when it stops to lava flowing. We ask ourselves, what's next? What's going uh, on? Yeah. And what is there? A, a, is there a difference between the north uh, side where where you are and maybe southern expositions, or in, in terms of flavor? I mean, the tradition of the Etna viticulture is uh, more concentrated in the north side. And uh, the north side, uh, as far as we know, but, you know, it's my opinion and uh, comes from my experience, is better for both uh, uh, red and white wines because can slow down uh, the uh, ripening process. Uh, to preserve aromas in white wines. And on the other side, uh, we have uh, sandy volcanic soil. It means that it's a very, very thin sand. And for the red wines, uh, the roots of the vine can go deeper and deeper. And uh, yeah, yeah, they are very useful. Uh, and uh, the other important uh, difference is that if you want to buy right now uh, a vineyard, if you if you find it on right. the volcano, the, in the, on the north side the price is double if you compare to the south side. So uh, investors uh, as to uh, ask why. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so you you talked about the reds, the Norella Mascalesi and the Norella Cappuccio, but also the, the, there's White Mount Etna, which I am a huge fan of. Yeah, yeah. The, there you will find uh, two different uh, endemic uh, native vines. The most famous is Carricante and another biotypes of Catarratto. And uh, they are very interesting, the Carricante. The Carricante was selected uh, during the history because uh, Carricante, it's a uh, dialect word that means caricare, to load for big hills. 
but uh, with the correct agronomic practice uh, can give very, very interesting wines with a lot of uh, acidity, minerality, and you will feel the, the, soul, of, uh, the soul of the volcano. Right. And, um, yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. If you're just joining us, my name is Mark Rayshap, and this is Another Bottle Down on Co-op Radio. We're here talking with Federico, who is um, who is owner and, and head of Firiato Winery in Sicily. Um, I, I love hearing about this because Sicily is producing tremendous wines for the money and uh and there's there's a lot of innovation going on there and i've always really loved the Furiato wines um the the harmonium and um and the saint augustina tremendous so um give us an idea as to what you do your your head of operations for the winery and what give us an idea of the the puzzle that you have to piece together you just finished harvest right we're in uh, late october October here and yeah. Uh, yeah how do you oversee things uh, it's not easy uh, <laughs> for two reasons the first we have as I told you we have 380 hectares of vineyard divided into six state and every state and every every vineyard has his own uh, soul with the, the needs uh, and uh, and uh, the agronomic practice needed to make high quality grapes for our quality wines uh, and after the second, that uh, all our agriculture in the, is uh, in certified organic, uh, yeah. So this is uh, it's more difficult because you know in organic farming uh, you have to be proactive. You can't react. You have to uh, uh, preserve the vineyard to get uh, a disease because you do not have chemical. You can't use chemicals to uh, to medicine to control the disease. You are only yeah, preserve them. And, uh, so that requires more work. Yeah, absolutely. Monitoring, uh, constant monitoring, uh, and a lot of work more. But what is interesting, uh, just to give you an, an idea, we harvest uh, everything by hand, 100 days per vintage. Yeah, we start uh, at the beginning of August in Trapani countryside. Yeah, for the base wine to to make uh, Charmat method sparkling wine because we also produce uh, sparkling wines, yeah. and we close uh, uh, the second or the third, depending on the vintage uh, week of uh, October on the Etna volcano because obviously it's a mountain and so the ripening uh, it's uh, uh, it's late. But uh, right now I was telling you. You before we start this uh, this program, that uh, this is the only pe- period I can go abroad to visit for a market because uh, uh, we just finished the vintage and I have to come back to, uh, at the uh, the 12th of November because uh, I have to start the wine making process because the wine closed the fermentation and so it's time to start uh, creating the plants to decide what had to go in aging in which kind of wood in stainless steel and, and so on yeah. and and so you're working with um with the with your with your winemaking team and yeah. and deciding uh, the fate of all the wines, and and so uh, you say the six estates, but but winemaking is done in only one in only one we spot. We have or? two wineries, one in the, one that covers the west side of Sicily, so five estates because Favignana it's very close, right? Uh, and one on the Etna Volcano because you know. So it doesn't Our travel. objective so is to catch the grapes no more than half an hour after the farmer pick it up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then you do all the pressing and all of the, the fermentations in-house. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, But it's important to say that the vintage for us, doesn't the, the winemaking for us start directly 
in the vineyard in no at the end of November when we start the pruning process. Because at that time, at the end of November, I will sit with my two enologists and with my agronomist and we decide the objective of production and quality yeah. for every single vineyard. And so you might decide to prune a vineyard differently depending on how it's been behaving over the past years or uh, and, and what you think that it will do better. Absolutely. How, so what would be an example of that? I mean, uh, can you give us an insight into your conversations with the agronomists? Uh, um, do you prune, you, so you prune things totally different? Uh, yeah, yeah. Any, any. Uh, so you might decide that the that that you're gonna uh, leave m uh, more fruit on one vineyard and less on another vineyard. Is is that kind of the major decisions? Let, let me do an example, yeah. an easy example to let people better understand. We uh, we produce uh, a traditional method of sparkling wine, champenois, on the Etna, which is a Etna DOC sparkling wine, 100 of Nerello Mascalese. And on the other side, we produce also Nerello Mascalese as a red wine. But there you have completely different agronomic practice. For the vineyard, for the crew, for the sparkling wine, you start pruning the, the, uh, the vine to get more and more vigor and a lot of foliage because you have to improve the vine to producing a lot of uh, grapes. But on the other side, all the grapes have to be covered by the leaf to slow down the, the ripening process. And you will start harvesting at the medium of September. Mm -hmm. For the red wine, you start doing a completely different practice. You prune in different way because you have to slow down the wine and, and produce a little production with little yield. And then you start to make an early defoliation. As the vine starts blooming, you remove the opposite leaf because you don't want the vine have the power to create big bunches. Right. Yeah. Right. Then you come again in a vineyard and you prune some grapes and you remove the, the bottom part of the grapes to guarantee the homogeneous ripening of, the, of all the berries of the grapes. What is that? Is it removing the bottom of the bunch, is that done uh, very widely? No, no, no. I've, I've not heard of that. No, no. We use in, uh, in the zone, usually it's used in the zone of the northeast Italy. Wow. And we are quite the, the only one, as far as we know, use on the Etna. And then we do a green harvest at the beginning of October. Wow. Or at the end of September, depending on the vintage, to let the vine concentrate only in the, uh, on the grape we decided that are right. the good so quality. So the, the green harvest is to remove bunches that you think might not have trouble ripening, and then it concentrates the remaining bunches. That's the yeah. concept there. Absolutely. And, and again, you're, you're left with fewer grapes, and of course then that makes the wine more expensive, right? And at the end, uh, it's not possible to let people see what I'm talking about, right. but at the end you have Nerello Mascalese in two different shapes, one you will have less color and big bunches and on the other uh, you have a very very thin uh, bunch very very little bunches with uh, the skin of the uh, grape very very thick right yeah. right well it's tremendous to hear these really cool practices and stories uh, in our few minutes remaining you you do have um, a very booming Eno tourism situation where where do you have people stay at the estates and uh, there's some really nice buildings and whatnot. Uh, sure. That, 
we decided because we do not want to stay without uh, doing anything. <laughs> we decided to invest because we think uh, that uh, the the normal uh, evolution of wise making is enotourism in general and tourism in particular because you are not coming just to do enotourism you are coming to visit Sicily we opened the three resort in a, in a three of our six state one in the east side on the Etna volcano and uh, you will have the window of the of your room at one meter from the vineyard yeah <laughs> uh, and uh, and the other at the, in the Trapani countryside and another one on Favigliana Island uh, which is lovely during the summer but what is important in all these three cases we made a conservative restoration of ancient buildings so right. you stay there you, you you can feel the history and the heritage of, of sicily because they are real we made this conservative restoration so everything is as it was but with new services because you know people have to enjoy right absolutely well um wonderful and and i'm sure that folks can get more information at firiato.it yeah sure. no no that it for the winery and we also have firiatohospitality.com or dot it if you want to visit us for henotourism or for tourism wonderful um any final thoughts uh, you've been having a, a good reception of the of the wines here in austin texas and and in the u.s right by the by the way, I love it. This is my first time in Austin. And I oh. think that is a wonderful city. Oh. I have to come again without work because I want to <laughs> I want to visit the city. But what I can say, uh, Sicilian wine uh, in the United States is growing. Uh, and so we are we are growing uh, with a good price point and good quality. What I have to say, I just uh, suggest United States people to come in Sicily and visit uh, Sicily in general and us in particular. Yeah, wonderful. Well, um, Federico, head of Firiato Winery in Sicily, uh, it's been such great conversation, and uh, I look forward to having the wines very present here in Austin and uh, continuing to see the vintages and uh, and how the, the wines are improving every day. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for your time.